Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm on the road with Zeke Levine and David Mazauer from the Yiddish Book Center, and I'm going to let them take it away. So we've made a stop. We set off early from uh, near the book center, and we've made a stop for coffee, and we're heading to Manhattan to meet Mindy, um, who got in touch with us a couple of weeks or so ago to say she had quite a few books that are her partners. He's recently gone into a home and she needs to get rid of them to rent the room. Um, And I happened to be in New York um, at the weekend and so I went to see her and I made an initial sort of the books into things that the book center would want. And there's a lot that we'll want and some things that that we weren't going to take. Um, And we're heading back now to bring the books back to the book center and pack them up and talk to Mindy about um, how the books got there and why she's decided to donate them. Uh, and it's going to be a fun trip. Kind of interesting because a lot of people don't realize that we still do collection trips, sometimes out of the country, sometimes personal ones like this, which are always interesting, fun, and uh, reveal a lot about some of the collectors of Yiddish books, yes? Uh, yeah, that's right. And I'm sure that every... Um, group of books that comes into the center you know has a different story and this one has quite a nice story really because they're they're quite a scholarly collection so uh, as I think we'll find out you know they're they're things that um, Danny uh, her partner has been using as a translator and so and there's a really good spread of literature and it's kind of the nicest group of books because they're books that are really in demand by other people. Uh, Bashevis Singer books and, and some really high quality literature. And so they're things that are going to come into the book center and kind of go straight out again to people who really want them. And that's just the nicest kind of fate for used books, really. So there are several hundred books there. I don't know how many. We'll, we'll find out. Um, it's going to be quite a few boxes worth. So we put a ton of, I think, 20 flat pack boxes we put in the back of Lisa's car yesterday um, and we're heading into Manhattan to uh, go up and pack them into the boxes and hopefully put them all in the car if they fit. We'll see if they fit. Maybe we'll have to leave some for uh, the next round, but we'll, we'll try and get them all in. So you looked over the collection already. What's there? It's, it's a really nice um, working library, really. There's quite a lot of reference books. Um, there are things about Israel. There are books about Jewish history. So I put aside, unusually, I, I guess, quite a lot of English language books alongside the Yiddish books because there are things there that people at the center will use in their reference um, collections and in their own work, and we can put into the library at the book center. Um, so there's quite a lot of English language stuff as well. Um, there's Yiddish literature, there are various Yiddish magazines, there are some Packentrager magazines from the book center um, alongside the other things. Um, histories of the Jews in Yiddish, histories of Jewish literature in Yiddish, all sorts of things. And I imagine it's really exciting for you as a bibliographer and a lover of Yiddish uh, literature books, etc., to get not only access to you know something that's a collection or a lot of books together, but they also come into you via Zomlers and people who are in touch who want to find a home for their books. What's it like unpacking all of this and finding these surprising gems? 
It's, it's a delight unpacking books. Uh, actually, the other thing to say about this collection is they're really in good condition, and that's, that's the other thing. You never know when books come in in boxes to the center as they, as they do in really considerable quantities. That's really surprising me how many books we continue to get in. You never know what condition they're going to be in. Have they perhaps been in a basement for decades? Have they been in an attic? Um, some are unfortunately in pretty bad condition or the, the paper inside them is very brittle. Um, these are mostly reasonably modern books and in good condition. But yeah, it's, you never know what you're going to find. So just yesterday we had six boxes sent in um, by somebody and they were her grandfather's books. Uh, there was a note inside that said they'd mostly been bought in Philadelphia in the early 20th century. Uh, and they included some stunningly beautiful illustrated books um, they also included two copies of De Secundus, The Big Stick, which is this satirical journal published in New York roughly from 1909 for 20 years or so, which has some of the highest quality cartoon illustrations in the Yiddish periodical press. And there were two complete annual volumes of that journal, which are just a delight and the sort of thing we can use in exhibitions, we can use for field trips to show people who come in. Um, and that's, that's a pretty rare find. And actually, she had packed them like you would pack a picture when you sent it out, maybe in, in foam, in a, you know, with a lot of space around it in a special box. It was beautifully packed and delivered. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting unpacking books. So um, are we coffeeed up um, and ready to go? Yeah, hopefully I'll stay awake for the rest of the trip. <laughs> we need your direction. <laughs> Yeah, so here we are in New York now. Uh, it's kind of perfect book collecting weather. No ice, no rain, bright sun, a little on the cold side, but that's fine. So getting the books out from the apartment out to the car will be fine. Um, so we're going to go up and see Mindy. Great, away. So here we are in the room with the books. And Mindy, you've been hard at work and you've done... I would say about half our job for us and packed them up, but there's there's a hundred or a couple of hundred books still left to pack up. Um, and my impression when I met you first last weekend and and we we looked at them was what a fine collection it is. And this must have been a working collection, a kind of scholarly collection. This is not just um, somebody who's had books from their parents or grandparents. This is Danny's working collection, right? Tell us a little bit about how he's been using the books? Uh, well, he, he had an interest in um, Yiddish from the time he was old enough to walk and talk and went to Shola. Um, and he, he's very scholarly. He's mm. not uh, credentialed uh, totally, but he's very scholarly. He worked for the Evo. He did Yiddish translation. Um, he did some work for the public library. But most of his life, he was a teacher. He was a teacher in Israel. He was a teacher in New York. Um, he didn't always teach his love, which was ancient history, but he taught math in Israel. <laughs> I don't think he was a very good math teacher. <laughs> and he's a fluent Hebrew speaker, And clearly. he's a fluent, he, yeah. He had learned Hebrew and, and Yiddish as a child. Um, and I... Yeah, I mean, he's had an interesting life uh, because he's uh, lived here. He's 
lived in Israel. He's lived in Turkey for a year, lived in, as a, worked as a teacher, lived in Rome for a year, worked in the overseas school as a teacher. So his interest was, has always been teaching and, and, and steeped in Yiddish literature. More recently, he had a Yiddish reading circle. I think that was his real passion. Here in New York. Here in New York, around the dining room table. Um, so he had several different permutations. The first was teaching Yiddish to a group uh, of probably mostly women who had wanted to learn Yiddish. Uh, but the second permutation, which he really loved, was reading Yiddish literature in Yiddish, not in translation, but in Yiddish. And he put in a lot of effort into that. He would uh, select the passage, he would Xerox copies for everybody, he'd read it over and look up all the words he didn't know. And a lot of Yiddish has German words and Russian words. Right. Um, so he took that very seriously. And was this a group of mixed ages? Uh, it was mostly women, mostly older women who had the time to come and sit around and read Yiddish, yeah. One of his students was Paula Skula, who was Svi Skula's daughter. The actor, Svi Skula. The actor, he was also on WEVD. He used to have a radio program. And she grew up in a Yiddish household and didn't know any Yiddish. So she's still around. She's in Brooklyn and uh, she's a bit younger, so if you ever get a chance to talk to her, she would be interesting to talk to. Yeah. Thank you. And and it's always um, a sort of uh, bittersweet moment when books change hands and move from one owner to, in our case, the book centre. What do you think it means for Danny to know that his books are coming to the book centre? He's thrilled. I, I mean, I was anxious, you know, because going through somebody's books who've spent a lifetime collecting them, I thought he'd feel very bereft. But the fact that they're getting a second life, and when I asked him how many books did, did he think you would want, you know, which ones were in Yiddish and uh, Hebrew and which ones were in English, he said, I only have a few in Yiddish, <laughs> only a handful. They're not going to want very many. So A few is relative. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when I came back and told him that you were taking more than half, I think, he was really thrilled that they're going to have a second life. Well, it's a terrific collection. We're taking everything that he has in Yiddish very happily. Um, and we've only really left some of the non-Jewish materials, some of the Hebrew material, and some general art books and other things, really. But it's a terrific collection. Um, and we were talking earlier about it, and actually the lovely thing about it is that we have people already who are queuing up to have some of these books uh, and can't get them. Oh, uh, that's so wonderful. So they will come in and immediately go out to new readers. Ah, uh, he'll be delighted. <laughs> yeah. Great. In recent years, I know one of his favorite was Chaim Grada. That's, um, I think, who the uh, circle was reading most recently was right. Chaim Grada. Right. Okay, so now we're, now, so now we're going to be putting the books in the boxes, but as we do it, let's see what's here. So here's a book, 50 Years of Yiddish Song in America, um, two sides, 50 Years Yiddish Gesang in America. So it's basically a Yiddish book with the English title and some English articles. Um, and it's signed, mit Gruss, with greetings, but not by the look of it by the author. 
anyway, that's a nice songbook. This is Dimishpocha Karnovsky by Yudyut Zinger. So this is I.J. Singer, um, the older Singer brother, Beshevis's older brother, and obviously the author of The Brothers Ashkenazi and many other novels and a working journalist, uh, a communist for a time, and then he became disaffected with communism, more famous in his day than Beshevis Singer was and very much the model um, for Beshevis for a time for how to be a writer, not how to write in the sense of stylistic and themes because they're very different, but, but as a model of a successful journalist and writer, very much somebody that Beshevis looked up to. These novels are always in demand, so these are great to have. Let's see what's here. Uh, this is a novel by Beshevis, Der Sotten in Gorai, Satan in Gorai. This is a book that's always going to be in demand. Beshevis's novels are some of the most requested books that people are asking for. And uh, this is another Beshevis book, Mein Taten's Based in Stub. This is his autobiographical work um, about his father's courtroom, his rabbinical courtroom. Um, the three singer siblings, Beshevis, his older brother, and Esther Kreitman, all wrote different versions of their childhood, and people are always interested to compare you know, how differently they remember and talk about their childhood. So this is another book that's terrific to have. There's all sorts of things here. This has got advertisements for health foods in the back, the Better Health and Correct Eating Institute, West 28th Street. Let's see what this book is. The Vegetarian Cookbook, Vegetarische Kochbuch. So that's something that people are very interested in. Um, cookery books, health, science, books in Yiddish. So here's one of the English language books, A Thick History of Jewish Literature. Um, and I put a number of these aside when I was here a few days ago with Mindy because they're very useful for our purposes for research and reference and so on. So that goes into the box as well. This is a multi-volume set of Mendela. Uh, Mendela's Mendela Moifus Forums, Collected Works. This is a, a Polish post-war publication from the 1950s. Um, multi-volume set of Mendela. That's interesting. So Poland, after the war, emerged, as did places like Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, Paris to an extent, as serious centers of Yiddish publishing and Yiddish writing. You know, there, there was this sort of um, lazy stereotype that Yiddish and Yiddish literature ended with the Holocaust and the war. Absolutely not the case. There was an extraordinary resurgence of publishing in the 50s and 60s and a huge amount of memoir literature, survivors' memoirs and other people remembering pre-war life, but also original literature, a lot of fine work produced in that period. Oh, this is Peretz, very clearly identifiable by his bushy moustache, uh, a book published in Moscow, 1959, interesting, In der uh short stories by Peretz. So... The, for the Soviets, the classic Yiddishists with their focus on sort of social themes and, and injustice were absolutely palatable in terms of communist ideology, but they were selective also in what they would publish and obviously edited carefully and didn't publish a great many other writers who didn't fit in with their worldview. But this is, this is an interesting one. So here's some more parrots. 
This is, looks like a New York edition, and here's um, a pre-war edition, Alaverk von Peretz. Peretz has collected works in an edition by the kind of um, grandest and most profligate of the Yiddish publishers, Kletzkin, who is a terrific figure, fascinating figure, who ran his Vilner and Warsaw-based publishing house for around 30 years or so, sunk his family fortune into it, pretty much bankrupted himself, published the most beautiful books. Some of them, this one doesn't, but some of his books have a little cameo metal plate in, embossed uh, into the front cover. So he published additional editions of Bergelson like that um, and other writers. Hugely expensive, very beautifully produced. And this is one of his books from the 1920s. It doesn't have a date, but it's, it's going to be 1920s, I would guess. And these books are in, in are in these books are in unusually good condition, which is really nice as well, because so many books come somewhat battered. And it's nice if books are well read, and these clearly have been used and read, but they're still in very good condition. Um, and this is Gladstein, one of the great twentieth century writers, Yiddish or otherwise. Um Venyash's Gefuren. No, Venyash's Gekumen, sorry. Uh, so this is one of his two-part works, uh, a sort of travelogue, a sort of autobiographical um, account of his, uh, his travels back to Poland on the eve of the war. This is an unusually rich and rounded collection, I would say. Um, it's of high quality, and the books are all interesting, uh, they're all books we're really glad to have. Many of them are books that are in short supply as original copies, so there'll be plenty of people who will gladly use these. And it's just terrific that they're not being thrown out uh, and they're finding a new home. Okay, so this is interesting. This is Menka Katz, who is David Katz's father, and David Katz is one of the most famous contemporary Yiddish scholars and philologists and so on. Uh, Menke Katz is his father, um, Lithuanian-born, came to America where he became a central figure in this group of proletarian poets of the 20s and 30s, um, and very prolific, wrote something like 20, published something like 20 books of poetry. Uh, this is a book of his called Brennendick Stettel, The Burning Stettel, and it's published in New York in 1938 by the publishing house Signal, so that's a typical left-wing name for a publishing house. Uh, and it's the first book of what is seemingly uh, collected work in more than one volume. Um, and his books, are some of his books are widely available, and others are incredibly scarce for reasons I assume are to do with the quantities that were published in. And look, and it's signed by him. New York, 1938, a matona, a gift to the talent, talentfulen dichter, to the talented writer, Yossel Kohn. Yossel Kohn. Kohn or Kohn? Not, not a name I recognize. Um, signed by Menka Katz, New York, 1938. That's lovely. What is this one? Leibusch Lehrer, who I think is an educational figure in the workman's circle, certainly in New York. Yiddishkeit und andere Problemen. 
<laughs> everything in the Jewish world has to be a problem. Yiddishkeit is apparently a problem. So Yiddishkeit and other problems <laughs> by Leibo Shlera. So we're used to the Jewish problem. Okay, I mean, the Jewish problem is a problem for other people, not really for the Jews. But everybody talks about the Jewish problem. But I've not really <laughs> come across the idea of Yiddishkeit as a problem. But here we are, Yiddishkeit and other problems by Leibo Shlera. So that's quite fun. New York, 1940. So this is a terrific book for the book center to have. It's Bluma Lempel's uh, short stories, Ballade of Funachulam, The Ballad of a Dream. And it's one of her two published collections. And as some people listening to this may know, hopefully will know, her stories have just been translated and published under the title Oedipus in Brooklyn by Ellen Cassidy and Yeramahu Taub. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. And she turns out to be a wonderful writer who very few people previously had heard of, uh, lived in a somewhat isolated way, um, but wrote wonderful short stories. And this particular of her two books is an extremely short supply at the book center. I think we have maybe one or two copies at most available. Uh, so this is another one, which is terrific. And she's an extraordinarily good writer. Oh, and it's signed by her, which is rather wonderful. Um, yeah, not the easiest handwriting, so I'm not going to attempt to decipher it right now, but it's certainly signed off with both her names at the bottom of that inscription. Now that, now that her books have been, now that her stories have been translated, <coughs> there's obviously increasing interest in her, and... So Ellen told me, I met Ellen, one of the translators recently, and she told me that Bluma Lempel not only wrote the stories, had to get them published in Israel as a kind of vanity, so-called vanity publishing project. Essentially, she probably paid for it. The books were shipped back to her, and the, she then sent every single one out. So it was not, in any sense, professionally distributed. Um, she was then faced with 500 or 1,000 books that she had to send out into the world and find readers, which probably explains why quite a lot of them are signed by her, of the ones I've seen. This is a memoir um, by somebody called Raful Federman, who I know nothing about, published in 1957 in New York. Uh, and it tells us who's illustrated it. It's actually illustrated by Nota Kozlovsky, one of the most prolific illustrators whose granddaughter recently came into the book center um, and was amazed and delighted to discover that we have a great many books illustrated by her grandfather, of which she knew nothing. Um, so that's nice. There'll be some interesting illustrations. Well, the illustrations are actually these rather beautiful um, letters at the start of each chapter, a sort of decorated uh, initial letter at the start of each chapter, which Kozlovsky has clearly spent a great deal of time producing. And this is a book by my great-grandfather, Sholem Ash. This is Kiddush Hashem, uh, one of Ash's most famous novels. And this is a later edition uh, published in New York in 1947. This is an example of something that's relatively uncommon to see and uh, is, is here because clearly this is a collection of somebody who is reading widely around the literature. So this is a book by Chonosh Meruk, one of the, the sort of dean of 
20th century Yiddish scholarship, uh, a book about Sholem Aleichem, written by Shmeruk, which is a book of about 100 pages, got some lovely pictures. There's Sholem Aleichem with Bialik, the Hebrew poet. Uh, these are early editions of Sholem Aleichem from Warsaw. This looks like a really interesting book. This is a frontispiece of a Sholem Aleichem book from 1898 from the Russian Empire and so on. So this actually, just the illustrations alone are terrific. I haven't seen this book before, uh, but this is rather wonderful. This is Sholem Aleichem's typical signature, a sort of extraordinary scrawl, like a kind of demented <laughs> scrawl up and down and finished off with three or four crazy circles around it, which is how he always signed his name. Okay, so we're down to our last handful of books. Uh, we've got one, two, three, four bookcases that have been emptied. We've packed up maybe 15 or so boxes, and Mindy had previously packed up another 10 or 12 boxes of books. So we've got a few hundred books to take back to the center now, a really outstanding collection. So let's just go through the last few books. This is one of the... Treasures of 20th Century American Yiddish Literature by Moshe Leib Halperin, a poet uh, and a modernist and a fascinating writer, De Golden Apava, The Golden Peacock, one of his core books of poems. This is a second edition. First one is 1924. This is from the 1950s. So there, was, there were clearly new readers who wanted to read his books in the 1950s, by which time the first edition had sold out, and it's got some of these stunning um, graphic pieces by Yossel Kotler, the puppeteer and, and graphic designer, a wonderful, zany, surreal, incredibly gifted um, artist and writer and, and maverick figure um, who's studied this book with terrific illustrations. So that's rather a glorious book. Next up, we have a Yiska book. Well, that's unusual. You don't see too many of these. These are the hundreds of memorial books that were produced collaboratively after the war to memorialize shtetls and towns and cities right across Central and Eastern Europe. And this is a book from Pitchev, Pitchayev, a Yiska book, memorial book dedicated to the Jews of Pitchayev Volin, executed by the Germans. And this is a typical Yiska book of several hundred pages, photographic illustrations, um, a whole range of different articles and snatches of memories by scattered groups of survivors, an extraordinary um, collective effort. There are about six or seven or eight hundred of these memorial books, many in Hebrew, many in Yiddish, many in both languages, some have a bit of English, really trying to capture... Uh, the essence of, of the thousand-year civilization in these places and pass it on to a new generation. So they're, they're an extraordinary and rather poignant project. So the, the third book of these last group is one of three volumes with some tremendous illustrations by Marc Chagall. And this is a book of poems in three parts by one of these figures who's kind of forgotten today but was a giant on the Lower East Side and in American Yiddish letters, um, Avram Walt Liesin, who was uh, an editor, a poet, an all-round man of letters, um, widely read, widely acclaimed and revered. And in the 1930s, his collected works came out in three very nicely published volumes, and each of them has 
10 or so full-page illustrations by Marc Chagall, uh, including the, and they're tipped in, they're glued, glued in um, at the top, and uh, here's, here's the first one of them. Let's find it. Ah, oh, that's gorgeous. That's a figure clasping a Torah scroll, reaching down to a writer whose head is slumped on the desk with his inkwell next to him. That's lovely. And finally, we have a modern writer who's very much still with us, Boris Sandler, um, the longtime editor of the Yiddish Forwards. Uh, I think he's from Moldova. Um, a very considerable and active figure in uh, Yiddish culture today. Um, many people will know of his work and have heard his name. And this is one of many of his Yiddish books, some of which are now being translated into English. This is a book of uh, nov novellas and and a story, Zwei Novellas, Two Novellas, and a Story, by Boris Sandler. It's called Red Shoes for Rochel. Rachel. So there we are. We have modern contemporary writers. Yiddish literature is still being written. This is not just a kind of monument to a vanished world, as some might think. It's very much a, a culture and a literature that's still alive and still inspiring uh, new writers of all sorts and new creators today. Are you going to miss the books? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're bookophiles. There's yeah. books here, there's books in my room, there were books in Danny's room. Yeah. So at some point, you you know, you start using the library. You stop buying books, you mm. say, because this is ridiculous. <laughs> so I don't know that I'll miss them. He's going to miss them at some point, probably. Yeah. But he's delighted that they're having a second life, you know. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, we're we're profoundly grateful, and we'll we'll write to him, but also please tell him how thankful we are. I will. Thank I you will. so much. I will. Thank you. Here in Manhattan, it's been a terrific afternoon. We're so grateful to Mindy for hosting us and for getting in touch in the first place and making sure that these books will live on again through the centre's work. And uh, we're going to head back on the road now, back to Amherst. Mm -hmm.